0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash blue That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash blue Spelled B A B B E L dot com slash blue Rules and restrictions apply. Now, here's David Tuttle and Astro's master of banter, Blummer.
1: Yeah, we need to get the bugs out of our faces, man. Like, I just feel like I'm in this, like, haze right now just kind of like floating
2: yeah i'm gonna have a hazy conversation my friend
1: i'd rather have a hazy ipa (laughs) yeah hey tuttle how's it going man (laughs) because the bleachers are open we are adjusting to this time change as we get back on the bleacher blumps podcast i am geoff bloom if you want to call me that uh 14year uh, major league veteran I've got my great friend uh, David Toodle, across the way if you want to call him that uh, all-around great dude hard worker team USA kind of kind of fitting we'll talk a little bit about the WBC a little bit later in the podcast but just to go a little bit behind the scenes and uh, I'm gonna spring this on tuttle because Tuttle and I have a lot of similarities in our lifestyle, in our uh, approach to fashion, in our approach to (laughs) trying to be or trying to hold on to some some attractiveness to our family and wives throughout the course of our lives. And we have similar haircuts, kind of short, kind of spiky, kind of, you know, Tuttle's got a little more motion. Mine's straight as a string. And uh, we had a conversation. I don't know if you remember this. It might've been about three or four months ago and it was via text. It wasn't on here. And you texted me, you're like, Hey, what hair product do you use? And I said, I use the Keel's texturizing clay. And you were like, dude, I can't find it anywhere. So I went out on a mission, and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I wanted to let you know that it's back. If you go to keels.com, you can find it. Did you find it yet?
2: I got it a month ago, but I should have told you. How come you didn't give me the heads up? I know. I'm a loser. So it was COVID related. Somebody told me it was an ingredient thing. And I told you yep, I was like at Nordstrom right. and I was like at Keels. And anyway, well, this is cool. I, I feel bad that I didn't tell you now because I was like, I know Blum uses that stuff. Um, I can't find it. And maybe he has like some, you always have the secret in the big league back door. Like, oh yeah. I oh know. The regular public can't get it, but Keels gave Jeff Blum a forty percent discount, and he had an extra crate delivered to his house. so that's that's <laughs> the selfish text yeah
1: so yeah you were hoarding it all as you as you uh, accumulated more so I had this knee-jerk reaction when I got the email saying hey the keels texturizing clay's back I've I now have five on the way they're being shipped right. in so right. I, I'm I've loaded up but uh, that's just some behind the scenes of of what to and oh, yeah. Blum like as far as hair product is yeah. concerned so I'm stoked to get my loaf back because it's I need a haircut if you're watching yeah. any of this on YouTube it's out of control
2: man yeah you well know, yeah, you got, well, you, got loaf. you know. Yeah, Cecilia takes care of you, I believe. And you have yeah. the, the you get the spiky hair. And mm-hmm. uh and now the, the Houston this Houstonian baseball fans can see you on TV and they're gonna raid the Coles website. You know, I wanna look like Blum.
1: Well, how I mean, what how about the timing of this whole thing? So they, they get the product back and we I'm gonna be on TV every day starting March thirty, first. We're not going to be on there for opening day, but we're going to be on there the second day of the season
2: for the rest of the year. So nice. Yeah. Dude, Keels knew it was up, man. They knew Blum needed the right? product. And uh, you know, I, maybe me less so, but I definitely like the product. I think you introduced me to it. Well, I've had it. I kind of mix and match. I've had it. I don't have to be on TV, so I play with uh different products, but mm-hmm. that one's been a mainstay. So I always have like two or three kind of waxy somethings in there. And, yeah, uh, I really like the the Keels one is a kind of more of a like a firm hold. So I'm sure the mm-hmm. uh, the lady listeners love this fashion talk from the <laughs> from the Bleacher Blums. Hey, um, that was big news. No, that is big news. Now um, you just said something that triggered me. Uh, what about Opening Day? Are you guys? Is that an ESPN game or a national game? And they don't allow you and TK and Julie to do that game. Or what? What are we doing, Blum? Why can't Why can't yeah. you guys get Opening Day?
1: Uh, it, it sucks because ESPN jumps on the bandwagon of the Houston Astros and says, oh, we're going to broadcast the, the reigning world champions opening day. Um, and I think that, uh, it's what's great though, is that the Astros organization recognizes that ESPN poached that opening day game from us. So what they've done is I think that, uh, I'm not sure, but I'm. I think they're going to drop the banner on opening day, because that's really good to let the rest of the planet know that they've won another World Series championship. But the beauty of what the Astros are doing is on March 31st, our first broadcast, our opening day, they're actually doing the ring ceremony. So that will be our little kind of like you know thumb okay. in the eye of ESPN, going, you wanted to show up and get all the fanfare, but we're going to save it for for good old AT and T Sportsnet as long as we're called that for the time being. And we're going to give them the <laughs> ring ceremony, so it, there there will be plenty going on that first week. But yeah, our season won't start until March thirty first. Yeah, I created a lot of confusion on Instagram when I said my opening day was March thirty first. Oh yeah, you
2: got a lot of responses saying, "What do you mean opening day is not my ring? This guy's yeah, new, man. Yeah. Well, you're. Uh, it, it's not selfish, but when you're when you're tweeting from a work uh, capacity, you're just talking about your schedule, and people want to know when you and TK. I mean, we've had this conversation for years. You guys know what's going on with the Astros. The home broadcast gets phased out in the playoffs and very often, like you said, um, at the beginning of the season, especially as reigning world champions. And I do think what's interesting there is that uh, whether AT&T Sportsnet or the Houston Astros recognize it with the ring ceremony, the nice thing is you guys don't get a lot of national um, recognition and national publicity. We're still coastal biased um Mm -hmm. organization right or or country so it's you know yankees red sox dodgers you know i guess when the giants make it in but you know football and baseball are both kind of coastal bias so when it's the st louis cardinals and the houston astros you guys got to take all the uh the fanfare you can get
1: Absolutely. And speaking of fanfare, I don't know how much you've been watching, but this WBC, the World Baseball Classic, has been kind of going bonkers a little bit. And uh, I've taken a couple of the notes. And the reason uh, I'm kind of fascinated by this whole situation and I'm kind of curious to get your take on it is, uh, you know, Omar Lopez, our first base coach for the Astros, um, is managing Team Venezuela. And there was a lot of talk about the pool that he was in, pool D down in Miami, where three of the top five teams, as far as rankings are concerned in the WBC, were, you know, Dominican Republic, number one, Puerto Rico, three or four. And then you had Venezuela, four or five, depending on where you looked. And right now, Venezuela has beaten both Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic to take the lead in that pool and looks like they're going to be advancing. So it's a lot of fun to see that Jose Altuve. Miguel Cabrera, Ronald Acuna Jr. I mean, Venezuela stacked as far as offense is concerned. So it's been kind of fun to watch them kind of upset the, uh, you know, the the better, more anticipated teams in the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. But the thing that I wanted to ask you real quick was: Are you intrigued at all by this World Baseball Classic? Because I feel like it's it for whatever reason this season it's kind of spread a little bit. And it, I use my kids as a gauge. Um, My you know, Audrey, one of my daughters, loves a game of baseball. She's been watching a lot of it. She follows Kyle Tucker on Team USA. She loves it. But we were watching the Mexico USA game yesterday, and they had a couple of friends over there. We were all sitting there watching the game. And uh do do you feel that way? Is it is it that big out there on the West Coast?
2: You know, I I think it just depends on the baseball fan. Um, you know, we're looking for real baseball, and I think it's more we talked about this (laughs) earlier. It's more real baseball than spring training. I was uh, getting lunch with my daughter this weekend and the Angels-Dodgers game was on and it was, you know, it was Tuttle versus, you know, whoever else. It was number 97 pitching against number 68 and, you know, you're trying to look who this guy is and he's an up-and-comer and it's fine. No, no, no. I'm just saying, but it's like... It, it, if you're intrigued and that's your kid or that's you and your friends, like, yeah, it's interesting baseball, this but it's kind point. of like, how do we get through the sixth, seventh and eighth, ninth innings to get these guys a little experience, exposure and see how they handle themselves. The fans mm-hmm. aren't interested in that. Um, Unless they're down in spring training and you know, there's plenty of diehard fans that wanna see who's the, you know, the double A star, the triple A star that's gonna be breaking into the big leagues. But as a fan watching TV, we want real football, we want real baseball as quickly as we can get it. And I just think this is real baseball. Now, me having played in Puerto Rico and knowing some of the, you know, guys down there and yes, some of these where I was it's going. Not, it's not just affinity. It's the passion that they have for it. It's really good baseball. And I think we forget, you know, we're like watching these teams like Miguel Cabrera and, you know, Jose Altuve, you already mentioned Acuna junior Venezuela stacked; Those are three superstar type players. I know obviously Miguel's on his way out, but I mean, in a, in a, classic like this he can still hold his own in winter ball because you got some up-and-comers but (laughs) like you said the flag that they are waving the pride that they have wearing their country's name on their shirt and as you said if the dominican is really stacked beating the dominican republic is a huge kind of accomplishment for venezuela and i think now that i've been watching a lot more soccer you know, they have the pool of death every year. It's like, oh, the, yep, the, yeah. you know, are they going to make it out of the pool of death? Well, it looks like Venezuela is going to make it out of the pool of death, right? They beat Brazil and Germany <laughs> from a soccer <laughs> exactly, perspective, right? and now they're rolling <laughs> along. So, you know, I, I think it's, yeah, I, I think the reason, again, we can go back to pitching and defense, the Dominican um you know, superstars are all over the field, pitching and uh, and, and position players, whereas the Venezuela probably didn't... They probably didn't think that they had the pitching depth and the fact You're that right. they've escaped with a couple Ws makes it, uh, makes it exciting. And, and like I said, I think... I actually think this... Here's the take, Blum, and then I'll throw it back to you, is mm-hmm. Team USA probably has less connection and less passion than some of the other uh, countries. It's kind of like making an all-star team here, but it's not... I don't know. When I played Team USA, it was college guys, and we got to go to Cuba or wherever, and we got to represent our country, which was fantastic, but it um, wasn't—I mean, for us, it was representing your country. Here, it's kind of like, oh, we see these guys all the time, You know, just much more of an all-star type feel to it. I think when you grow up in Venezuela, when you grow up in Puerto Rico, I know for a fact the passion that you carry and when you wear that uh, flag on your chest is is much deeper. So I don't know if it's the left coast, third coast, the USA is into it as much, but every night, Jose uh, Shohei Otani hits a home run on ESPN, and you're like, man, this guy's pretty good. <laughs>
1: yeah, Shohei's putting on another show. He's on another level, but I love the fact that you have the experience down there in the Caribbean playing in some of those environments because... You know, I think there's a couple of good points. There's a reason the passion is there for those teams, because here in America, there's the expectation that when our kids are born and they're good athletes, they're going to play in the major leagues. They're going to play in the NFL. They're going to play uh, at, at this high level. And the expectation's there. We see it every single day as a kid growing up. So it becomes a little more businesslike where you're trying to work to attain that, that stature or that level of play. And I don't know if it's the expectation or the business-like mentality, but that's where the passion kind of gets sucked out of it. Now you go to these other countries like Venezuela, Puerto Rico, uh, the Dominican Republic, and even Japan and some of these places, what's the goal? To play baseball in America. So it's almost, you know, we're on our soil, you know, we're supposed to be here, we're badasses. And these other countries don't have that expectation. It is a, it's uh it's, it's a blessing. It's a it's a, something you've strived for. It's something that will yeah. protect your family for years to come when you start to earn that money. So there is a little more investment, a little more passion. And that's why you start to see that. And the thing that cracks me up, and this is where you could probably speak to it a little bit because you've actually been down in those countries and played in that environment, is when that passion shows up in the stands and we start to see it and hear it through the speakers of our TV, or we actually go to a game and see that, you know, that fervent feet of baseball and desire to win it kind of shocks us a little bit it does because here in the states you know it's it's golf claps it's cheering it's no bat flips it's I was I was supposed to do that uh, I do this every day kind of mentality as opposed to dude bat flipping cheering Vuvuzela horns uh cowbells I mean chants the energy that I'm seeing at these games I'm going why can't we replicate that here now I know it's a 162 game season and it's hard to do that but this infusion of energy and enjoyment around the game has really kind of turned me on and given me just a little bit en- more energy in saying this sport is still thriving across the world man
2: you know it's funny because the the, that I mean, we, we're kind of dancing around the same subject. I mean, the passion that people have is different than there than it is here. And I think Completely. I've said this story before, but the first time I took the mound in Cuba, it was about 60,000 people. And when you stand on the mound, it's quiet. I mean, they're going nuts, they're going nuts, but you know, just like, here's the analogy. It's just like the waste management, uh, open Mm -hmm. versus regular golf. (laughs) You get out there and you've been playing baseball your whole life and you're waiting for it to get quiet and kind of everybody to pay attention. And it gets louder and louder and louder. And the drums get louder and the fans get louder. And you're like, Oh, I guess this is the environment we're playing. And it's, it's pretty nuts and pretty, uh, pretty unique i mean there's nothing like it on the planet and i think that maybe that's hard to recognize through the television but uh but it's certainly there, and I think that you know the USA could certainly learn something uh, from the World Baseball Classic in terms of passion and interest. But I, I think we'll find out when the USA either doesn't move on, or we move on and get smoked by the Dominican or Puerto Rico or Venezuela or <laughs> Japan, and we realize, oh yeah, these countries have a lot more passion and a lot more desire to win this uh, win this World Baseball Classic than we do.
1: Yeah, and it, it's been a lot of fun to watch. What's crazy to me is that, uh, what, there's five, four, four pools, five pool ab So there's four pools, five teams apiece, so you've got 20 teams out there. But I had no idea that Great Britain could even field a team. Or, you know, I knew that Nicaragua, that like their national game is baseball and maybe don't have the notoriety on the big stage in Major League Baseball as far as having a lot of Nicaraguans playing. Um, we knew about the Caribbean uh, teams that are out there. They've, they're stacked. They are but like team is real. I didn't, I mean, it's, are you surprised? I mean, I, I feel like the rules are a little bit looser than the Olympics where you just got to have somebody that kind of had a, had a toe in the country for maybe more than a month and you can go play for that team. But I love the fact that these guys are getting opportunities. The Czech Republic, are you kidding me? I mean, that dude, the electrician that went out there and struck out Shohei Otani. I mean, those are kind of fun stories and
2: opportunities that they're getting it's funny you said that because you know now being over 50 i told my wife so my wife is from the czech republic born there there. she moved here when she was nine so she has dual citizenship she just got it married to her i can get dual citizenship don't think don't think i didn't come back no 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 i right here you heard on the i but don't think i didn't think about like hey wouldn't that be hilarious to be like here he is, fifty-two years old. He's going to take the mound again. <laughs> I would be so nervous about getting smashed on the shin, though. The, I mean, you don't want to be messing around, like you said. <laughs> the, the, the electrician that stuck out, struck out Shohei Otani at least has been playing baseball in the last five years. I have not been playing baseball in the past five years, but <laughs> but I mean, it does cross your mind. And I always think I think the first year when um, the World Baseball Classic came out, they had the it, team Israel was great. You know, you just had like uh, somebody that had a, a Jewish descent or married into the Jew. Ju- i mean there are so many funny storylines and like you said i had that when i played against michael jordan thinking that it's a great accomplishment to strike out michael jordan and then realize he's a basketball player not a baseball player and you're like oh well i guess i probably should have struck out but you know you <laughs> I mean, get these MVP little stories so, man yeah the electrician's gonna go back to rewiring you know businesses and houses but he's he's got and you know like you said the feather in his cap he struck out shohei otani and uh, and I do think it it, it the storylines are fantastic, and I think this kind of brings it full circle. You already said it, it. I mean, it's real baseball. We're watching real baseball with people that have a passion for it, whether they you know circumvented the rules or dipped their toe in the water so they could get you know recognition to make it on the Czech Republic or the Team Israel. I just think it's a cool thing and it kind of makes spring training go a lot faster and we'll get to spring training, yeah. you know, soon <laughs> we'll get through spring training much quicker because we have real baseball. And then, uh, and then the season will start, as you mentioned, uh, March 30th, not March 31st, even though you start March <laughs> 31st. So we go from, you know, the world baseball classic and we have baseball to, we're talking about experience and passion and i think march madness obviously the brackets got released yesterday when when fans hear this we'll understand um i you know uh, obviously they're they're ready to roll for this but i do think the the conversation could be very similar in that we have these experienced teams fifth year seniors they're coming back again for you know kind of the the last you know and they have a passion for their school whether it be like a Wofford or a you know you know, I don't know, Gonzaga hasn't won one yet, but they're still, you know, they're not as, as they're not in the forefront this year as, as they have been in the past when they got smoked by Baylor a couple of years ago. But I do think the fifth year seniors, those, you know, the glue teams, I know Jay Billis had like UConn and Duke. Duke has won like nine in a row and they're playing really well. But when we have the one and done, I kind of feel mm-hmm. like Team USA is mm-hmm. like the one and done teams like Kentucky's of the world. And, you know, some of the other teams are like the team Venezuela or team Puerto Rico, you know, they're going to give you some passion, they're going to give you some heart, and they're going to stick around a little bit longer than we expect. So what did you see when the brackets were released yesterday? I know you looked at it. I mean, I usually go pretty chalk heavy, but uh, what what, what were your first thoughts on the uh, release of the brackets?
1: Uh, they were good. I think they got all the number one seeds, right? And I I agree with you. Everybody's kind of, I think you're kind of mentioning that Cinderella story. Who's going to be that team that just gels at the right time and gets a little more passionate or found that one transfer that came in and just kind of gave them an extra boost. I don't know who that team's going to be, but, uh, looking at it early on, I watched a game earlier this year with Purdue. And Purdue wasn't ranked, I don't think, and they were just kind of like, "What's this team going to be like?" And then all of a sudden, that seven foot four Zach Edie or Eddie or whatever his <laughs> name is, all of a sudden grabbed a basketball and did the skyhook thing. I was like, "Dude, nobody's <laughs> going to defend that in this league." There are no more big men in the world right now, and he's like the biggest dude out there. I mean, there's a couple out there that are six ten, you know, kind of beefy and can move around and push guys around, but this dude is gigantic. And it feels like his wingspan is the width of the key. And he comes down there, just sits under the basket and just kind of, you know, does like this Godzilla move where he's like, dare you to come into the key. And he's like swinging his arms around and everybody's like, oh God, and they start running. So I'm kind of fascinated by that. And I also like the bracket they're in. That bracket uh, that they're in, what are they in, down in the lower east or whatever it is? Yeah, they're in the east. And uh, the number two seed out there is Marquette, I believe. So I think Mm -hmm. Purdue's got a great chance. And I don't know if you've watched him, but I'm just fascinated because there's a couple of guards that are really good athletes around him. Mm -hmm. And when they double team, they just have to drain those threes because they're all going to suck down into the key. And light him up and then dish the ball out and maybe make some threes and get past him. But um, the athleticism is great around the league. I absolutely love March Madness, and I can't wait to see what's going on. But that's the one thing that kind of stuck out to me. Um, and I think University of Houston's in a great back bracket, and there's just that local fever that I want them to make it just because the Final Four is going to be down here in Houston, but is there anything that jumped out to you, or do you have that Cinderella team that you're kind of looking at?
2: I don't have a Cinderella team. You know, every year, San Diego State kind of ekes in and they look, you know, they're 27 and 6, but they don't play in that strong of a conference, but they're pretty good this year. You know, they don't have a Kawhi Leonard, but they're they're pretty strong, but what jumps out at me, and, and this is funny, we always look at the the tournament as we should, I guess, in totality, but everybody's worried about, oh, they're in this bracket or they're there, they're there. What happens is you really only have to win your little, you know, it's kind of three two-game tournaments, right? You got to win your mm-hmm. first two and, you know, and, and you can only play right. those in front of you. So you don't really have to worry about, I think if you can simplify it and just worry about it, I know sound like an old salty baseball player, like one game at a time, but you really have to just win your two-game tournaments. So who are we playing in our first two games? We're going to play this team and this team. Um, UCLA's been playing fantastic, but similar to Man, Houston, yeah. they both lost kind of a key guy before the championship of the tournament. Houston mm-hmm. lost yesterday to Memphis, but they had lost uh, Sasser the day before, but I think he'll be back for the um, for the you know March Madness stuff. Uh, UCLA had a couple guys sit out and they lost to Arizona. They had an open look to, to you know, win the game for the tournament yeah, and Arizona won. So. But, you know, here's the thing. Arizona got a two seed and UCLA got a two seed. I mean, they're both really strong teams. So there's a coin flip there from a West Coast perspective. I always like the Houstons and the Baylors. I think I said this before. They look like grown men out there. They look like the old UNLV teams. <laughs> they um, do. But in, in terms of the... In terms of the kind of the Cinderella-ish teams, I think Marquette is an interesting one. You already brought that up. Like, you know, maybe know. Purdue could get by him, but Marquette has been playing really good basketball. I mean, they've been ranked in the top 10 most of the year. You know, Dwayne well, Wade's the
1: is, former— has coached a bunch of Cinderella-type teams, so he almost has that mentality and ability to kind of uh, yeah. will his team to play better in the tournament is for some Is that Shaka? Reason.
2: Shocking yeah. smart there. Yeah. Yep. I totally agree. I think that they're, they're a team to watch out for. Now, I think from I heard this, there's actually a guy at my gym who goes to Mark, who went to Marquette, and he's like, they just play to their opponent. And we hear that a lot, right? They just play down to their opponent. They don't w- ever win by ten or twenty; they mm-hmm. win by two or f- two, three or four points. But they win all their games by two, three or four points. So again, are they battle tested, or are they just playing down to their opponents? So, you know, Marquette, Purdue, we both we hit that. I think you always have to watch out for Kansas. Um, Duke has won nine or ten in a row, and I don't know. They maybe they figured out what their identity is. So it's you know it's kind of the usual suspects in the tournament. And um, my my point is the same as yours, which is it's just fun to watch, and it's a great time of year.
1: Yeah, and, and, and uh, just another note on you mentioning yeah. Kansas is that that will be the second game for the Arkansas Razorbacks uh, in, in their bracket. So their two-game tournament is going to be against Illinois and then they would have to face Kansas if Kansas is able to get past Howard University. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's fascinating times. It, you know, I think it's great. And it, I love the camaraderie of it because brackets are everywhere. Everybody's filling it out. And uh, you get to talk a little bit trash. You know, D- did Santa Clara sneak in? I know we talked about it last podcast. I didn't see the whole bracket.
2: No, they didn't sneak in. And I think. It's actually fair probably they didn't. I mean, I was just biased. They were. I think they were like 22 and 11. They had beat USF twice this year. They were in, uh, you know, they're obviously in the West Coast Conference. So they have uh, Gonzaga and St. Mary's who are both ranked, and they're both really good teams. But mm-hmm. I think already getting two teams out of the WCC, you would have to That's go the win problem. the tournament. To take a third WCC team regardless, and yeah. USF had beat uh, Santa Clara in double overtime. Uh, in the semifinals, I think, of the WCC tournament. I think if they had won one more game or if they'd give St. Mary's or Gonzaga a run, um, you know, I don't get into the, the whatever, the Sabre metrics of it, but to your point, I think I was hoping based on record they could get in, but they probably just weren't a quality team this year. And um, I saw, like, Oklahoma State got knocked out, and this is stuff I don't – I just read this, so – Please don't quote me, but basically they they look at the quad 1 matchups that these teams have. And mm-hmm. so Oklahoma State's on the bubble, their record wasn't good and they were kind of 8 and 12 in the Big 12 conference, even though it's a strong conference. And they said they had 18 quad 1 matchups this year and they won like 5 or 6 of them and it's just not oh, wow. it's just not good enough, you know, they're going to get in the tournament but it's not going to be good enough for them. So again, that's the first analytics you'll ever hear from me based on the <laughs> love it the bracket, but but you know what I mean? Like so it's not for for us to say who gets in or out, but I think Santa Clara had a good record this year, and they're um, they have Herb Sendek as their coach, who has taken a few teams to the tournament. And you know Santa Clara is on the upswing, but this is not their year to be in it, and you know that's fine with me.
1: Yeah, and you know what? We're at that time of the spring training where the WBC is going. That gives us a little bit of a distraction. You got March Madness starting starting up, so that's a bit of a distraction because this is really that lull in spring training where you've kind of you've established yourself, you've got your legs under you, you're starting to feel better. Now you're kind of looking towards the end of spring training and really finishing healthy to get into the opening a uh, opening day roster and move on. Uh, so thank goodness for the WBC. Thank goodness for March Madness right now because it's yeah. a pretty healthy distraction. Action, especially here in the bleachers for us to give us something to expand on a little bit and again this is a baseball podcast for the sports fan because Tuttle and I are sports fans um, Tuttle have you got anything that has kind of perked your interest or, or come to the front of your mind that you want to talk I about do. a little bit
2: yeah I have that'd to bring baby. back the, the what'll Tuttle uh, say segment anymore but uh, I here's here's the thing I was scrolling through ESPN as we just talked about the brackets and I just, this is, again, we've talked about it before and it's not like stuck in my craw, but it's kind of an interesting thing is I get on ESPN.com or I get on The Athletic and you're looking at the brackets and, and right next to it, they put the women's brackets. I guess the women's selection show is right after the men's selection show. And it's not that they shouldn't get equal footing. It's not that, Hey, when our daughters go to college and, you know, you know, play sports, you want to see the brackets, but I don't know how many women get on ESPN.com and look at it. Did your wife or your daughters run on there and try and get the bracket set up? And so I, I think there's a miss. There's like a misconception about what equality is. Like, why does ESPN feel the need to put the ma- men's brackets and the women's brackets right next to each other when nobody's looking at the men at the women's brackets? Like, I just, again, we're like, we've overcorrected. I'm going to get myself in hot mm-hmm. water by saying that, but it yeah. just seems ridiculous because it's just in the way. I'm like scooching the stuff out of the way. Like, oh, that's South Carolina and Stanford mm-hmm. and UConn and, you know, Gino Auriemma. That's great. It's fantastic basketball. I know a lot about it. I don't need to see that bracket right next to the bracket that I'm, that we're all watching and betting on and caring about. I don't, I don't understand. So if you had your own website or something, right? Like your daughters do not get on ESPN.com and look at the women's bracket. So why do they have it on the first page? It makes no sense to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just kind of interesting. I mean, the, you know, they know more about March Madness, obviously marketing, commercializing it mm-hmm. and betting on it. It's going to be everywhere for the men. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's, 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 just, it's created its own animal, but I really, to, you know, the first thing I thought about when you said that they're side-by-side on ESPN, it is so disingenuous. It's yeah. not. It's not giving them any credit. If you really wanted to give them give them a platform, you don't put them side by side because we already know that the men's bracket is out of control. If you yeah. took the number of bets on men's brackets compared to women's brackets, it's going to be. Yeah. It, it's. It's not fair. It's. You're making them feel bad. So why wouldn't you just dedicate an entire page to them and just give them their own page? Why do you have yeah. to? Like you said, why do you have to put them up against something right. that is a behemoth? You know, it's the whole yeah. David and Goliath. thing. thing.
2: Sirius serious xm you could give them their own channel it's like there's nba there's nba radio there's NHL. i don't ever listen to the hockey one they have all these different spots they could have like you know ncaa women's tournament channel
1: like you you give them the channel or the page give them the channel give them the page and let them run with it and if they market it and they do well they're going to make more money and they're going to be happier about it but sitting there and trying to split the page doesn't make any sense to me because like you said everybody's going to click to click to the men's side because that's what's been marketed right. the most you know
2: yeah and so that's it's maybe a little uh, i don't know a little negativity but it's just frustrating to see that they i i think to your point, they're going about it the wrong way. That's all I was going to say about that. They're going about it the wrong no, way. No, I, I think and it's that's so you funny kind of felt like, when, I, when you said that. Yeah, yeah it's like, what, well, they're going about it the wrong ways. Now, give us a quick story about uh, brackets in uh, spring training locker rooms because those are the oh, fun man. ones, and I think we've told a few before. But, I mean, you were talking about it's kind of the lull in spring training. You guys are ready to start mm-hmm. the season. Yes, the World Baseball Classic is probably taking a little of the thunder. But how exciting is it when that guy brings in the sheets? We had edit- copied sheets, right? Like. Dude, it, it, so
1: Woody Williams was a guy in San Diego, but it was funny because I'm, I'm going to back away from the mic and probably blow out the mic. Um, so be ready for this, Mark, because he would show up, you know, the selection is on Sunday evening. Uh, everybody gets the brackets on Monday morning, but Woody would show up, you know, 5 a.m., some ungodly hour before the sun's up, and he would go in there and print off, you know, 75, well, probably double that because guys are buying more than one bracket. But you would have... He would come in and he would scream. He, he I'll scoot back. He would come in and he'd go sheets. And <laughs> as soon as he screamed sheets, everybody kind of jumped out of their locker and went running to him and they're like grabbing him like it was like you know the old school you know Wall Street floor yeah. where there's you know flashing tickets and everybody's grabbing them and stuff like this. And then uh so you know and every bracket's like a thousand dollars a piece. And then uh you, you'd go in with a couple of buddies and and split it up. And, and fill it out. And then, uh, you know, once you get past the first or second round, and then there would be another round of sheets. When you get to the Elite Eight, another round of sheets. So, I mean, by the end of this thing, you could be about six or seven grand into this whole thing, <laughs> you know, and then you get to the final four, and then they start selling those teams for five grand a piece. And you're like, that's when you start to buddy up and you start to try and, yeah. you know, accrue enough money to buy a team. But then you almost have like a bidding war on some of these things to try and get the top seeds and stuff like that that it's out of control so it's but that meal money didn't make it to the restaurant dude guys are throwing their envelopes at him you know it's (laughs) unbelievable and I don't know who's keeping track all this cash but uh that's basically what happens so it's March Madness it's all of the uh horse races and then fantasy football that's where most of the 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 uh interaction I won't say betting I'll say interaction between uh teammates is but yeah March Madness is one of the great times because this is that time where you know, you've been in big league clubhouses, you'll, you'll show up. And I mean, especially when you're on the West coast, it's almost better because you show up at 9am and those games on the East coast are, they're starting, man. You know, you've got, you've got directional Eastern, you know, South state going against somebody and they're playing at like noon and you're watching games all throughout the course of the day in the first couple of rounds.
2: Yeah, it certainly adds life to spring training as you point. We uh, we've talked about the dog days of the season. There are dog days of spring training, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. When you're, you know, groundhog day and into the same restaurant in the morning and showing up at the clubhouse <laughs> the same day, same time. It's like, oh gotta yep. get out of here and now all of a sudden you got your bracket to worry about so yeah and I love the different personalities it would be fun to call that out but you got the guy who's super analytical like giving you that well oh, this team so lost true. by they never lose by set. and then someone else is like well I like the red uniforms mm-hmm. you know you have you cover the whole spectrum or the whole gamut and you know you never know who's going to win, but it's it, it's kind of an exciting time. Yeah, so the philosophies
1: are part of the fun. You know, they're like, "How the hell did you pick that?" And like you said, well, uh, they played good the third last third of the season against teams in yellow. We were like, "What
2: the?" Yeah, f-? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish we could have a bet like we did for the Super Bowl because uh, I don't know if there's an eighty for Brady movie to make you watch. But uh, oh, man. oh, maybe we maybe we tie up with the Oscars. I never watched the Oscars. You said Top Gun had a good chance to win. It did not win the Oscar last no. night. No, but uh, apparently I got sick everything. And t- Tired of seeing those yeah. ugh, I got sick and tired of seeing those guys did you watch any of the Oscars or no I did I did like the red I did like the red tuxedo though that was pretty Ooh, rad. I don't know I didn't want to hear Daniel and Daniel talk anymore by the end I so. <laughs>
1: They were up there every three seconds, everything. man. They won everything. <laughs> they so, is there any it. other movie?
2: Jeez, I don't know. Now I got to go watch. It. And they, we do have years like that, right? Where one of those movies. Mm-hmm. There was the year that that silent movie won, the black and white one that was silent. And I was like, all right, that these movies oh, yeah. get. uh I don't know. They get the critical acclaim and then they just like you said it's Yeah, they a find mad that niche and, and I'm just not, kill it. Yeah. I don't know. And Brendan Fraser, that was a really interesting. That was really Dude, that interesting. one blew me away.
1: I was like, "Wow. Yeah.
2: I knew he was back in the
1: game, but I didn't realize it was that
2: good." Yeah. And I also didn't realize he was so I mean, think about it. He thought he was on top of the world. He was getting all these fantastic roles and he was a superstar and then he, nobody would give him a role. So, I think athletes can relate to that. Like, "Oh, doesn't have the little zip on the fastball anymore and, you know, he <laughs> yep. just kind of go away." hmm well how about uh, the indiana jones connection
1: you know yeah. uh, harrison ford comes out and gives out the award for best picture and uh side his sidekick in that indiana jones movie is now winning oscars he got it for best supporting yeah. actor i
2: apologize for not yeah. knowing his name off the top of my head but yeah uh, i looked him up last night i forget. i yeah i saw his name too but that was kind of
1: cool that was a cool moment when he came up and gave him a great big hug at the end of the whole show so that was kind of cool
2: that was kind that was of cool. About it. All right, that's our Oscar take. There we and go. Lady we really Gaga watched can them sing, man. <laughs> she can sing. God. I like the Lenny oh, Kravitz man. part too. Lenny, I forgot I about Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. He was good.
1: He's yeah, good, and man, it's so. amazing how many people have passed away in the last year or so. That was shocking to me every time yeah. we see those things. Yeah. A lot of old people.
2: Wow, somber note. <laughs> no, that was a great Academy Award recap. You better tune into our Bleacher Blums for an Seriously, Academy Award right? recap. You know, Dang, get you on. Yeah, that, at Plumber27 on Instagram and Twitter, maybe you'll see what he uh, – we'll, we'll come up with that guy's name, the Indiana Jones guy's name. There you go. So I know. Um, well, you so know it's, Markle's it's, already it's, uh, got it. I know. What, so it's St. <laughs> Patrick's Day uh, this Friday coming up. And what did, what did Mark say about – see, I'm going to mess up the hey, promo. Post, what did he say? If, so, if you uh, go to Bleacher uh,
1: Blum's and you post a picture of you wearing a Bleacher Blum's paraphernalia – we will repost it, and we will get you possibly a free green T-shirt to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. I think that, that might good. be it. Marco, correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong or overstating the product.
2: That sounds good. I mean, I'm going to post that we have a new podcast today. And if you okay.
1: respond to it, say, hey, I, I want a St. Patrick's Day shirt, then I'll probably just send it, send you one
2: to the first Damn. One.
1: There you go. Yeah. Be quick, first. be on it, and be a listener.
2: So you, nice. you've got to be downloading the podcast make sure you're listening to it get it out of the way and and yeah rate review subscribe and post that's what we always say there There you go go. do what you got to do and you might end up with a green bleacher blum's t-shirt which i should have worn mine today i still have mine blum you said your daughter might have stolen it or daughters plural i don't know somebody has it somewhere
1: no it'll show up every like one of these like (laughs) once a month in the morning and i'm like oh there it is you know it's like geez thanks Uh for that (laughs) There you go. My hard-earned work got you that shirt, and I don't even get to wear it. (laughs) Hard-earned work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Appreciate you listening to the Bleacher Blums podcast. Of course, at the end of every podcast, we like to give an enthusiastic, heartfelt thank you to all of the military, both veterans and currently serving home and abroad for the protection of our freedoms here on the homeland that gives us the opportunity to talk about uh, some of our interests and have everybody listening to it. So we appreciate you, all of the first responders who work in the police departments, in the fire departments, in the EMTs that go out there, uh, protect us, rescue us, and keep us uh, keep us going throughout the course of the day. All the doctors out there, uh, the, the frontline workers, the essential workers. And of course, at this time of the year, the teachers are starting to ramp up a little bit. We've got proms going. We've got finals coming. I've got three seniors that are happening. Tuttle's got one right now. A lot going on. So we appreciate all of you who listen. We appreciate all of you who work so hard. So thank you so
2: much for everything. And we're going to give it to our closer. Um. So March is colorectal cancer awareness month. Don't forget about that. And if you're over the age of 45, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. Always on this podcast, we encourage you after Blum and I have a Jovial time on the microphones to get after it and believe it. Believe it.
1: So it's K. Hoi Kwan.
2: Uh, K. Hoi K. Hoi Kwan. That's it. I, which I would have messed up anyway. I looked him up before. I'd be like, oh yeah, you know the guy from uh, Indiana Jones number three, K. Hoi Kwan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And right.
2: Goonies. Right. In Goonies. I yeah. watch, I know. Oh, in Goonies.